Good morning. Welcome to Spin Class. We're talking politics. Your host, Michael Fragan, here on the Nachum Siegel Network, NachumSiegel.com, and on the NSN app. If you don't have it, get it. 24 6 uh, Jewish music, entertainment, thought provoking conversations like the one we're going to have right now, uh, talking politics with Mark Trencher of Nishma Research, a 40 plus year career executive in research marketing planning and issues analysis uh, for Fortune 500 companies like uh, Cigna and Conning. And he is a qualitative and quantitative researcher who is now devoting himself full-time to researching the Orthodox Jewish community. And he has fresh and cutting-edge research with regard to how people in the Orthodox community, how members of the Orthodox community voted in the 2020 election and why they voted this way and what their motivations were to vote. Mark, welcome to Spin Class. Thank you. Thank you very much, Michael. So, Mark, uh, the polling industry itself, I don't want to differentiate what you're doing from polling. Uh, it's taken a little bit of a hit, a reputational hit, both in 2016, 2020. When people think of polls, they're not thinking, well, these are fake. They really don't tell us anything. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, polling and why what you're doing is a little different than what people would consider to be polling. So the key thing in the polling industry is when, when a company does a poll, they're trying to figure out what the population is thinking. The population could be all voters in the U.S. And the way to do it, the, there's a couple of important things. One is the questions you ask, but even more important than that is you want to make sure that the sample you get in your survey is representative of the population. So <clears throat> people have talked in the most recent uh, polling, they talk about the shy Trump voter. The shy Trump voter means that polling companies are finding it harder to get uh, Trump voters to pick up the phone, to answer the phone, to click on the link, basically to answer a survey. This is actually a problem affecting the entire polling industry because it used to be in the old days, they'd make a phone call and you'd pick it up and, um, and you'd answer the questions. Now people don't answer the phones, people don't have landlines, they have only cell phones. Uh, people look at the uh, caller ID and think it's uh, spam. So it's become much, much harder to get a representative sample. So the polling industry is really struggling with, with the new environment. And that's the main reason why the, uh, why the polling industry got it somewhat wrong um, four years ago and, and as well as this year. And your survey is a little bit different. I guess we can look at market research kind of a little bit ex post facto. You're not really trying to predict anything or say how things are going to, but you're looking at things afterward or it's similar to what people conceptualize. Right. So what I did was this survey was not a poll, which means my goal was not to say, yeah, in the Haredi world, X percent of Trump and Y percent of Biden. In the modern orthodox, X percent, Y percent. That's not my goal. In order to do that, I would have had to um, get, a, get a very large sample and make sure it was representative. What, what I was doing was something a little bit different. First of all, it's after the election. And, uh, you know, people voted the way they voted. Whoever voted, I, uh, whoever voted for candidates, um, why did they vote that way? My goal was to get a large sample of people who voted for Trump for president and a large sample of people who voted for Biden for president both should be large enough, and then and then ask them basically a few questions. And the main question I asked was, uh, you know, here is a list of, um, of, of of 35 factors that people have told us 
before we did this research, we did a little bit of preliminary research. We came up with a list of 35 reasons why a person might vote for one candidate or the other. So here's a list of 35, and from this list, tell us which are the most important. Which ones, which ones are the ones that made you vote for Trump? Which ones are the ones that made you vote for Biden? And then we were going to, and then our goal was to compare the two and see what the, how the priorities differed. Now I called the survey <clears throat> Come Together 2020 because my theory is, look, people disagree. We, all, we see it in our shuls, in our newspapers, in our communities, but there have to be areas of overlap. There are areas where people agree this is important for the Jewish from community, and this is less important. And so that the results of the survey would say, okay, here are the issues that both groups, regardless of who won, both groups feel is important. Now we come together and fight for that issue. And there are other issues that are uh, that, that there's less agreement. So my, my main disappointment in the results of the survey was there were actually a surprisingly very large number of issues where there was fundamental disagreement between the Trump voters and the Biden voters. And they were not Jewish issues. They were not from issues. They were issues that a that a, a pundit on CNBC might talk about. So I'm, you know, this makes us think about the real underlying thought process of the uh, of the Orthodox Jewish voter. So just to give, I guess, the audience the money um, to answer the money question that people are probably wondering is, okay, uh, you 445 me- 449 members of the Orthodox community. And uh, of them, the ones you spoke to, 146 voted for Trump, 244 voted for Biden. That kind of turns the conventional wisdom on its head that most of the Orthodox community voted for Donald Trump. So uh, I- explain that for a second and why that is per- be perfectly in line with, uh, with research. Okay. So again, as I mentioned, the, 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 and by the way, everybody, people have called me and said, the results of your survey indicate that X percent that the community was for Biden. And I told them the, the, uh, the goal of the survey was not to measure that. So basically I have a list. So how did I get these 449 people? Uh, we've been doing surveys since 2016. Uh, by the way, I should mention that I'm, my, my service is called Nishma, as in Nasev Nishma, Nishma Research. There's no H at the end of Nishma. If you go to nishmaresearch.com, Everything we do is available online. Uh, we did a survey in 2016 of people who went off the derach, really the first survey of that group, just to hear in their own words what they were thinking. We did a big survey in 2017. In 2019, we did a survey of Bale Chuva. Why did they go Bale Chuva? We did a survey of the challenges of modern society. You know, it's a challenge. Living in a modern society and being from has challenges. Uh, and then this year, we did a couple of political surveys as well. So from all those surveys, one of the things I did was I did come up with a list of people. I asked them, um, would you be willing to, to respond to a future survey on a matter dealing with the Jewish community? And people said, yes, they gave me their email address. All I had was the emails. I didn't know whether they were left-wing, Orthodox, right-wing, uh, Haredi, Yeshivish, Hasidic. So I assembled this list. The other thing we did this time was both the uh, the RCA, the rabbinical um, uh, Conference and the, uh, the the medical council and the national uh, council of young Israel sent out emails to their shuls. So between all these between all of these methods, we were able to get the uh, over six hundred responses, and four hundred and forty nine ended up being um, being Orthodox who who voted for one candidate or the other. Why among those four hundred and forty nine? Why there were more? Why it was about sixty percent Biden? 
that's a, that, that to some extent is an outgrowth of the mailing list we have. And um, a mailing list can be non-representative. If we were doing a survey, uh, a representative survey, there are methods to do weighting to, uh, to assign different weights to different groups. I encourage people, the one conclusion they should not come, come to from the results of this survey is how people voted. And again, that was not our goal. Right. Vote was the vote. We did a survey earlier in the year that showed that in the Yeshivish and Hasidic communities, it was very, very strongly for Trump, over 80%. In the modern Orthodox, it was closer to 50-50. And remember, that was before the more recent um, events in terms of Israel's opening up relationships with the United Arab Emirates and, uh, and uh, Bahrain, and even having discussions with Saudi Arabia. So I would not be surprised if there was a shift uh, even more towards Trump from those events. Uh, but again, so our goal was to compare the two groups. I'm even curious as to how on your list a sizable, such a sizable number identify as non-Orthodox. Uh, if you put together your list based on uh, or Orthodox organizations and, and, and the like, uh, you seem to have quite a few non-Orthodox respondents. Uh, we, I we, guess they were, these were taken out of this survey, but it's, uh, I guess yes. it's interesting. They were taken out of this survey. So in, in past surveys, uh, so imagine that a, a rabbi of the RCA gets an email uh, saying, hey, Nishma Research is doing a survey of the broad Jewish community. Send this on to your members. So now you've got like 900 shuls all over the world. And um, you, may not see a, you may not see a lot of this in, uh, in, in the New York area, but there are actually a lot of places, there are a lot of cities where there is a, uh, a shul. And you find this, this is very common, for example, in in Canada, where you have a shul, where a city has, has two shuls, uh, one of them is Orthodox, and people go to that shul, when you ask them, are you Orthodox, they say, yeah, you know, not, not really. I mean, I go to Orthodox shul, I walk to shul, I keep kosher at home, but I'm not as, uh, I'm, I, if I had a choice between Orthodox, conservative, reform, I, I'd, I'd probably say that I'm conservative, maybe right-leaning conservative. And we actually, in, in, in one of our surveys, we asked the question, you said that you're not Orthodox and you go to an Orthodox shul, why? And we did a little study of 150 people. That was interesting. But yeah, okay. for the purpose of this, for the purpose of this survey- we, We'll have to make or another episode on that one. So, okay, uh, great. <laughs> but uh, that, that's interesting. Well, I guess that would also lead me to, before we dig into the survey itself, I guess the, the, the universe that you're looking at. So if it's heavily concentrated towards RCA, National Council of Young Israel, it's more likely to be from the modern Orthodox camp. How did you reach out to the more yeshivish right-wing Hasidic camp? So you're right. Uh, among the, uh, this, this, um, our, our database and the results of this sample are more modern Orthodox. The Haredi and Yeshivish are about 15 to 20%. Um, you know, the, uh, we, we reached out to individual shuls, but also, again, you have uh, rabbis of RCA that are more, uh, where their shul could be leaning more towards the Yeshivish. You know, I know people who go to a shul that you look at and say, it's, 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 it's pretty much modern Orthodox, but when you ask them what they are, they would say that they definitely tend to be more, more Yeshivish. There's diversity in shuls. Um, it is challenging, it is more challenging I have found in doing research to uh, to get a lot of participation from the from the Haredi shuls. Uh, you know, I would love to get I would love to do research in the uh, in the Hasidic community in in Yiddish, which uh, which I speak Yiddish. I, I, I grew up, by the way, in a Yiddish speaking household. Um, grew up in the in the first Hasidic shtibel in Flatbush. 
the Mujair, Rabbi Menachem Mendel Rubin, and Ocean Park. Ah, Rubin. If sure. any of your listeners uh, know that shul, it was a wonderful place. I would love to get. I would love to do Ocean, more Par- Ocean Parkway M and N, I believe. Uh, between between N and O, right? Between N and O, N-N-O, okay, N-N-O, close right. enough. N and O, very close. Uh, so yeah, it, it is challenging. Um, you know, I, I got a call once from a, a woman in the New York State Department of Health in Albany who wanted to do research in Yiddish with the communities in like in like Monroe, New Square, Kiryas Joel in Yiddish, but that never went anywhere, but that would have been a, a very interesting project. Okay, so we'll, we'll have to tack that on to the to-do list. Uh, okay. We have quite a few, quite a few uh, things. So I, I mean, look, everybody wants to, ha- has their assumptions about uh, voting. Obviously politics is a divisive uh, sport and those people who are in politics and people who follow politics always want to know what people are thinking. So from that perspective, uh, any information, any and all information about speaking to voters or people who voted already and find out what they're thinking is really important. Um, you know, the one th- the, there's a couple striking um, items from this uh, from the survey and the audience can go out and find it on nishmaresearch.com, as you said, um, aside from the fact that, OK, it doesn't it, it's not necessarily how people voted because uh, this is not the representative sample, although. One, one could certainly extrapolate that there might be more Biden voters out there in the Orthodox community than people would have thought. At least that's been reported out there in the, uh, in the press. Um, but all, I think it's also how people looked at the issues. And you mentioned the issues beforehand. And one thing that struck me is that 80% of Trump voters identified Israel as their number one issue in when voting for president. And when it came to the Biden voters, Israel was was a ways down um, as far as percentage, as far as priority percentage. Uh, in fact, it didn't even make the top 10, which uh, a lot of people usually assume that in the non-Orthodox community, Israel isn't so important. But everyone in the Orthodox community agrees that Israel and foreign policy are the most important. Um, so, Mark, maybe uh, explain to the audience uh, what what that finding was and what that's mean, what that means. Okay. So the first important, the, the first very important thing to know, and people also make this mistake, is um, we did we didn't ask people how important is Israel. We didn't ask people are you how strong is your connection, your emotional connection to Israel. We've asked that in the past, and the numbers are from seventy five percent to eighty five percent said I, I am very strongly connected to Israel. Seventy five percent on the on the left on the more liberal side of modern orthodoxy. 85% on the more on the more right-leaning, more yeshivish side of modern orthodoxy. But that's the range, 75 to 85. So you, the question you asked is a good one. Why this time did the uh, Trump voters come in at 80% Israel and the Biden voters at uh, 30%? So the question we asked them was, what were the factors that affected you, that, that made you vote for this candidate? And you're right, when we asked um, what those factors were, the number one factor for all for people who voted for Trump was was Israel, eighty uh, percent. The number one factor for those who voted for Biden was the corona, handling the coronavirus pandemic, seventy eight percent. And then on the, on their list, Israel came in at around thirty percent. So you say to yourself, well, they don't care about Israel, but it's not that they don't care about Israel. It's not they're not thinking about do I care about Israel? They do. They're thinking, okay, I'm voting for Biden now. That's a given. Why am I voting for Biden? So it, it makes sense that makes sense that Biden, yeah, people say Biden is, is pro-Israel, favorable to Israel. People may still remember the uh, 
Obama administration, the you know the the when they abstained at that UN vote at the end, which was a real, uh, which was viewed as very uh, very harmful criticism of Israel. People have so if you ask people why are you voting for Biden, it makes sense that they're going to say coronavirus pandemic bringing the country together, how decisions are made at the top of the federal government. Those are the things that cause you. If you were to ask a follow up, okay, um, forget about who you voted for. Now we're talking to a Biden voter. How important is Israel to you? That's a whole different question. That's not the question we asked this time. That's right. the question we asked last time when 75% said yes, very important. I should also mention that even though about 30% said it was among their most critical factors in voting for Biden, um, over 70% also said it's a very important factor. So if you combine the most critical with very important, again, it comes in over 70. Among the Trump voters, it came in over 90%. So again, there's a difference. But that's so it, yeah, good. yeah, in a way, it's almost a justification. Uh, would you say that some people are saying, okay, I, I voted for, and I, this is kind of borne out by some of the comments that, that you collected, is that, well, I couldn't vote for Trump. There's no way I had to vote for Biden. And the way I'm voting for Biden is based on these factors. I had to justify it afterward, even though I acknowledge that Donald Trump is better on Israel. Uh, yeah, it, it is to some extent. It is some extent. I mean, the other example that I give is the very last among Trump voters, the very last item that came in at the very bottom of the list was one uh, percent said that climate change is one of the factors they considered in voting for for Trump, and that came in at forty one percent among Biden voters. So you know the issues are attached. The issues, to a large extent, are attached to the candidate, and so Israel is attached to Trump much more strongly and positively and favorably, at least, you know, based upon what people think, than, uh, than it is to Biden. We, we don't always associate Orthodox Jews uh, and their political viewpoints of, uh, of, with climate change as being an action item or a galvanizing yeah. item for that, for example. Even, uh, I mean, some of the other items that you had is uh, gun ownership actually rated pretty highly, believe it or not, uh, in people. And I don't know that Necessarily, people are. I mean, in one case, it was twenty percent of Biden voters were anti-gun ownership, and I guess I imagine there, um, and sixteen uh, percent of Trump voters pro-gun ownership. But it just those things were not necessarily always at the top of the list. I found that uh, of all the things that are out there, uh, Jews don't always tend to be uh, galvanized on the gun ownership issue like climate change but it's yeah. interesting that that you have that you that you included all these issues and so many issues for people to kind of comment on and to talk about their feelings on yeah and and, and to some extent the people who vote the people uh for example the 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 pro-trump voters do break down into several different groups there are those there are those who for whom it's the israel issue uh, you know, some issues of personality of somebody, a, a politician who's, who's a straight shooter. Um, they like the things he did. But I mean, the other issues, the other issues, trade agreements. Um, no, as we say in Yiddish, it's you know, it's not something that's important to them. And then you have another group of Trump voters who, uh, you know, maybe they maybe they listen to the talk radio or watch Fox News. But to some extent, they have. Um, they have accepted the package of beliefs that are associated with with the conservative movement. So uh, they will. Uh, if I ask a friend of mine walking to shul about his uh, his position on on uh, the electoral college, 
which is not one of our issues. But I, I can tell you what he said to me was exactly, exactly what you would hear on uh, on Fox News. So to some extent, they are they are Jews who have become conservative, and that's become more so in the last four years because it, because Trump, of course, is viewed positively by the uh, conservative wing of the Republican Party. Yeah, I, I there's no question about that. A lot of people in our community have adopted. Uh, right-wing media as theirs. I, I, you know, I've seen it uh, a market shift over the last decades. I think that uh, part of that has to do with how the mainstream media treats Israel and has treated Israel, um, and you know the perceived bias on the part of, uh, let's say, more center, more left organizations when it comes to Israel and Israel issues. Um, also, I think our religious freedom issues. A lot of Orthodox Jews out there. Uh, by and large, feel that they don't get fair treatment in the media. And I think that that has, uh, that has something to do with it. But uh, I want to get into another question that struck me as well, is it seemed as if, uh, based on what you said, that more of the Trump voters, more of the Biden voters were voting uh, against Trump, Trump in some degree, um, and more of the Trump voters were voting for Trump. So if you take all the categories, um, uh, of 100%, you had mostly against Biden, 7%, totally against Biden, 1%. And then everybody else, which is like, which is 93%, were to some degree uh, for Trump, even if they were partly against Biden as well. Uh, on the Biden side, he had 21%, uh, I'm sorry, 21, per, 21 per, uh, a full 72% were somewhat, like, were uh, to a degree against Trump. And uh, it's uh, and and so there was some imbalance there, I guess, to some degree, that people were in the Orthodox community seemed to have not necessarily embracing Joe Biden, but voting uh, for him because they were against Trump. Is that fair? Right. That's that's true. The question we asked was: so if they voted for Trump, he said, "Okay, was your vote a vote totally for Trump? Was it mostly for Trump? Was it against Biden?" We wanted to find out whether they were motivated positively or whether they were basically uh, people who voted for Biden. A lot of them said, as you said, among the people who voted for Biden, um, more than 20 percent said that their vote was because they were anti-Trump. Um, if you look at the first category, my vote for Trump, I voted for Trump totally because I am for Trump. Forty four percent said that. Again, if you look at the first category for people who voted for Biden I voted for Biden totally because I am for Biden was 16%. So clearly, in terms of positive attraction, it was stronger for Trump. So there's definitely an element of, there's definitely an element of Biden voters saying, I just, I, I'm voting for Biden because I can't vote for Trump. And people wrote in the comments, you have, by the way, on the report, which is online, you can see the, you can see the comments people make. And, and a lot of people- Oh yeah, the comments said, are absolutely fascinating. I encourage anybody to go, uh, page 20 and 21 of the report, uh, the comments are, are absolutely fascinating. Uh, and some of them actually would come straight out of right wing talking points as well. Some of them on the Trump side and some of them on the Biden side would come straight out of uh, left wing talking points. No different than uh, a lot of the population. Yeah, that's true. I mean, people don't walk around saying Biden is cognitively impaired. I mean, I don't, even, I don't think the words cognitively impaired are words that your average uh, from person uh, would, is, uh, would roll off his tongue. But, you know, you're right. So people, these are, these are the things people hear. 
but you know, liar, bigot for Trump, and yeah, and right. uh, yes. you know, senile for Biden. Uh, those right. those are not necessarily uh, those those words have kind of we haven't seen them in previous elections really. I mean, it, to to some to some degree. I mean, people uh, the the level of acrimony I think has certainly gone down. Uh, I am curious uh, if you saw an out of town versus in town divide, and I hate to use those terms, and I don't know if you use them as a market researcher, but you know, it is a Jewish uh, Orthodox term of art. Uh, that we use for anybody who lives outside of New York and New Jersey. I'll extend it since you live in uh, you live in West Hartford to Connecticut as well. We can, you know, give you the in town if you want it. Uh, but uh, but is there a difference in the breakdown as far as voting patterns or how people voted and why they voted in town versus out of town? So you're right, out of town. And by the way, I, I, I've used the term out of town in some shuls, and people get very offended by it. Uh, so, uh, but you're right. So in this, you know, in in most of our surveys, about sixty percent. Uh, from the New York, New York, New Jersey area, uh, you know, as far north as Stamford, Connecticut, and as far south as maybe Lakewood. So it's hard to do much analysis of. Uh, we've done some in the past for larger samples, and we haven't found that much of a difference between uh, between the in town and out of town. We, we did a coronavirus survey, and we found huge differences between Manhattan and Brooklyn, uh, which which is also a subject for a different topic, for a different discussion. But we haven't really found uh, political differences. Now, I see from this survey what I would call uh, a, a a divide between the, I guess, more left-leaning modern Orthodox community and the more right-leaning modern Orthodox community. Can you go into that for a second? Sure. So um, we, we have done. Uh, we we didn't do it that much in this survey, but in the past we've uh, in the past we've done a lot, very large survey. We did a survey of four thousand. Uh, American Orthodox Jews, and one of the questions we asked them is, um, where do you fit in the spectrum of Orthodoxy? And we gave them categories from you know, liberal, liberal modern Orthodox, modern Orthodox, the term modern maybe has some negative connotations, centrist, and then we had a category called centrist Orthodox leaning toward yeshivish and yeshivish and Hasidic, we had all those categories, and we found very significant differences across uh, the spectrum of orthodoxy, differences in beliefs. All these people said I'm orthodox. They all said I'm orthodox. But you know, there was, there was no group, there was no group, even, even the most right-leaning group, where 100% uh, said fully, you know, I believe Hashem created the world. I believe Hashem is involved in the day-to-day activities of my life. I believe everything that happens to me is for the best. Uh, at the, uh, in, in the most right-leaning groups, those were all in the mid to upper 90s. Uh, and in the more liberal groups, those are all in the in the in the low to mid 80s. So there's a lot of this. There's variations in beliefs and practices. Shomer Shabbos, Taras Hamishpacha, Kashrus, across Orthodoxy. I think one of the things you've learned from the survey is that whatever community you're in, uh, people within that community are in all different places in terms of not just political beliefs, but in terms of their personal beliefs, their hashkafa, their 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 worldview, their attitudes. So I think I, I think when if people accept that, then uh, you know, we view our community as as a work in progress. And as far as the, uh, there was a gender gap as well. There was, a, um, there was and it's yeah. interesting that the gender gap of there was general election, uh, but uh, you know, I'm sorry, the general population. There seems to be a gender in your survey as well with regard to uh, Trump and Biden voters. Right. So we have in the past we've done surveys and we've gotten about fifty percent men, fifty percent women. This time, a lot more men answered the uh, 
survey among Trump voters. Now that makes sense because if you hear, if you read what's in the uh, in the press in the U.S. population as a whole, the the largest gap between Biden and Trump was in this was in certain categories of female voters. But among Biden voters, it was very close to 50-50. But among the Trump voters, uh, 65% were men. So that is that is a definitely a, a very big difference. Wow. Well, there's so much to follow up on and there's so much to talk about with regard to this. I would encourage the audience to go to nishbarresearch.com, a post-election analysis from Mark Trencher, uh, the founder of Nishba Research. Uh, I'd like to mark, oh, Mark, go ahead. I'd like to know what, just what, what is your net plan for your next survey as we close out? That's a good question. So I, I haven't set plans for the next survey. I have two, there are two things I'm thinking of. One is a survey of Jewish health. And I mean by health, I mean, are there things in, in, in our firm lives that can help us become healthier in terms of diet and exercise and just the way we live? So um, it, it, will be, it would not be a typical health survey, but it'd be health from the perspective of the Orthodox community. The other issue is uh, I'm thinking of is finances, uh, the challenges of the, you know, the, the day school educations and all the other things that we, you know, living in expensive neighborhoods, just really ways that we can help the community. Uh, the, the other thing I would add is I've done uh, I've done a bunch of surveys. I've spoken in uh, like 35 shuls right now with the coronavirus. If any shul wants to have a free Zoom lecture, we have a bunch of topics. I, I would work with the shul, with the Rav, with the president to make sure it fits your needs. But I'd love to hear from you. And okay, uh, my great. goal. My goal is to get the word out on the things we've learned. Thank you. Uh, well, look, this is uh, having data and having information certainly helps us and helps people uh, in politics, helps us understand our community and understand uh, the world that much better. Mark Trencher, Nishma Research, nishmaresearch.com. And people can reach you at mark at nishmaresearch.com, correct? Exactly. Okay, excellent. Thank you for joining us here on Spin Class here on the Nachum Siegel Network. Stay tuned for Jew in the City Speaks with Allison Josephs. 